what if there were a fountain of youth pill that could add decades to your life? Would you take it? Unlocking the Fountain is a podcast about the mysteries of aging and the scientific quest to slow, stop, or even reverse it. When do you think we're going to have the first 150-year-old? I think that person's already alive. Unlocking the Fountain. Available now on CBC Listen or wherever you get your podcasts. This is a CBC Podcast. Hi, I'm Dr. Brian Goldman. Welcome to The Dose. So much of our lives have moved online during the pandemic. Work? Check. I'm recording this podcast from my basement office, which doubles as my studio, as are many of us who are working from home. Socializing? Check. We're now familiar with those Zoom happy hours and FaceTime calls with family. School? Check. Students in four provinces return to school remotely after the holidays. And for most kids, that means more time than ever in front of screens, something that's a constant concern for parents at the best of times. One Canadian study found that screen time during the pandemic more than doubled for elementary school kids, from 2.6 to nearly 6 hours a day. And that's outside of time spent online for school. So today on The Dose, we're asking, how worried should I be about my kids spending more time online during the pandemic? To help answer that, I'm joined by Dr. Shimmy Kang. She's a psychiatrist and associate professor of medicine at UBC and the author of The Tech Solution, Creating Healthy Habits for Kids Growing Up in a Digital World. Dr. Shimmy Kang, welcome to The Dose. Thank you, Brian. Happy to be here. How has the pandemic impacted how much time kids are spending online? Yeah, well, studies are just coming out. Uh, One study out of New York showed a 500% increase uh, in screen usage. And I think any parent or anybody around kids, um, you know, would agree like we're all on screen so much more than pre-pandemic. And what are they doing online? So, well, of course, you know, learning has gone online. That's good. And we're seeing some real positives like fitness classes. And, you know, we are using tech in healthy ways, but also uh, very um, concerning. We're seeing a 85% increase in cyberbullying. Online hate has gone up. Things like uh, anti-Asian, anti-Indigenous, anti-Black, anti-women. Hate and rhetoric um, has gone up. We're seeing increase in video gaming uh, and Internet use disorders. What about before the pandemic? How much time were kids spending online back then? So, you know, uh, Common Sense Media is a great place uh, for information on this. And they were reporting the average tween slash teenager was checking their phone about 150 times a day. Um, The average tween teen was spending about seven hours on screens that was outside of school or homework. Are they just doing more of the same now or have their habits actually changed during the pandemic? Yeah, so we definitely are seeing um, with an increase in screen time, we're seeing also increase in sitting, um, prolonged posture, even that crowd over posture. We're seeing increase in video gaming, um, shopping online, gambling online. So a lot of the negative dopamine driven addictive aspects. And that makes perfect sense because when we're more exposed, um, you know, we we tend to fall into those bad habits more likely and we have to work hard to kind of keep them in a balanced, healthy place. In general, what are the guidelines for how much time kids should be spending online? 
Canadian screen time guidelines less than two years not recommended at all between two and four years one hour a day and between five and 17 years two hours a day. Uh, so when you see that you can really see how far off we are uh, from these recommendations. Uh, the only thing I say is under four you don't even need one hour. I recommend to parents to delay, 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 delay the introduction of screens and devices as long as you can. We are seeing disruption in myelin and white matter in young young children's brains. Um, and we really need to develop three key life skills before we introduce screens, things like emotional regulation, social skills in real time and time management. Do you think we need to revisit those guidelines, given the fact that so many kids are are going to school online at the present time? Well, I mean, this is where I think the idea of screen time uh, is an idea that we need to go beyond and really look at screen quality. It is really hard to quantify time now. Um, Technology is fully embedded in our lives. But what's more important is what's happening on those screens, the quality of the interaction. You know, for example, one hour of pornography for a 14-year-old is highly toxic. um, And that's not okay. Whereas two hours of FaceTiming your grandparent and uh, connecting with your friends is healthy. So we definitely do need to revise guidelines and include um, what I call screen quality and, um, you know, screen consumption. So let's start to break it down. Our instinct is to worry about what kids are doing, spending their time online. What do we know about the physical impacts? So physically, um, technology use and screens are associated, you know, with blue light, uh, which can lead to sleep disruption or circadian rhythm disruption, as well as myopia or nearsightedness. So that's uh, one aspect of the physical. The other is actually the prolonged sitting and sedentary lifestyle and that crouched over posture. Um, So sitting is the new smoking. You know, as we know, it's connected to many uh, negative health uh, associations. And then when you think of that posture, that crouched over. The way I explain it to um, teens is I'm like, you know, your neurons, your nervous system doesn't know why you're crouched over, not moving, not looking at anyone. Um, You know, it asks, uh, you know, is there a predator? Is there a hurricane? Why are you in a cave? And it can fire that stress response. You've started to talk a little bit about the impact of screen time and what what kids are doing online on children's brains. Can you tell me more about the what the findings are? Yeah, so the mental health impacts right now are showing associations, links to anxiety, depression, addiction. The World Health Organization uh, last year declared gaming addiction as a medical disorder as well as internet addictive disorder. So we are definitely seeing significant impacts on mental health. Uh, Like I mentioned, we can actually physically see the disruption or the holes in the white matter on imaging studies of young toddler brains. That's a very big deal. Uh, You know, in other diseases and mental health like schizophrenia or depression, we actually don't even see the physical disruption. And now we're seeing the physical. So, you know, you can imagine the concern for, you know, the underlying neurochemical, you know, and and functional disruption there. Uh, We're seeing links to body image disturbance, uh, particularly uh, in young girls and women. Of course, gender is not binary. Uh, We're seeing reduced rates of empathy and social skills as well. Um, That also connects to why 
Uh, we might be seeing more hate online uh, and a significant rise in loneliness, actually, uh, that corresponds quite dramatically with when the iPhone hit 50% saturation uh, in the United States. That's an American study. Shimmy, all of those things are concerning, but, but you stopped me cold when you talked about holes in the brain. How much use uh, of screens is, is necessary to start putting holes in kids' brains? Like everything in in health, it's a combination of your genetics, you know, your own personal risk factors, whether it's trauma or propensity to depression or family history, as well as your environment and what you're doing on those screens. And the one uh, symptom I didn't talk about actually that covers all of this is focus and concentration. So the multitasking that occurs uh, when we are using screens in young people, that rapid switching of attention, multitasking is a myth. It doesn't exist. That is highly stressful to the brain and particularly the young brain. And again, you know, the nervous system would be like, why is your attention scattered? Is there a hurricane? Is there a predator? So, you know, those studies are showing the disruption of white matter in toddlers um, and young, young people under the age of five. I think we need more studies and more research. Um, but I also think we have enough now to really bring in practical guidelines and really raise the volume on this topic, particularly for young people. But it can't be all bad. So what are the benefits of technology use for kids? I give the analogy of fire. I say, you know, early humans harness the power of fire, um, and it was a crucial step in our human evolution. Um, those who knew how to use fire in their service of their good and their success went further and farther than ever before. And those who didn't learn how to use it got burned and burned down the village. Um, you know, I say right now the fire of our time is technology. It is the phone uh, for young people. If we guide children to use it well, they will go further and farther than ever before. Um, they will innovate, they will connect, they will have um, you know, community activism. Look at all the amazing things, uh, the power of tech, um, including uh, even self-care and biofeedback of our steps and our sleep. So uh, if we can harness the power of fire and, and guide young people, it will be to their advantage um, and really help propel them forward to a healthy uh, happy and successful future. If we do not teach young people how to use this very powerful innovation of technology, they will get burned and can burn down the village. And I see that all the time in my clinical practice, and it's certainly supported by the research. Okay, let's let's break it down into a bit more detail, because I know you've written about toxic tech, junk tech, and healthy tech. Can you give me examples of each of them and explain the differences? So there is healthy tech um, and tech that is actually good for you, like carrots and healthy fats and proteins. That is tech that uh, releases endorphin through self-care activities. So think of a Fitbit, monitoring your steps, meditation or sleep app. Technology can lead to oxytocin. That's any kind of meaningful connection. Think of video conferencing, FaceTime, Skype, Skyping friends, grandparents. And think of tech that can lead to serotonin or creativity and learning. That's learning online. That's coding, robotics, photography, art, music, so many aspects of tech. That is the healthy tech that we want to guide children towards consuming. We want to guide them to limit and monitor that junk tech, like junk food. It's um, sugar, kind of mindless scrolling, mindless zoning out video gaming. It's like eating a bag of chips. Once in a while is okay, but empty calories. So limit and monitor the junk tech. And that's dopamine is the ingredient there. And then avoid 
avoid toxic tech, just like we avoid toxic food like aspartame and spoiled milk. We don't want to consume it at all. You know, the negativity, the hate, the cyberbullying, but also things like prolonged sitting, sleep deprivation, and also FOMO, fear of missing out or comparing your life to others. That's cortisol. Um, That's what's being metabolized um, during those tech experiences. So avoid that. And I think, you know, an example would be if you look at Instagram, one hour of Instagram could be healthy tech if you're doing art or connecting with a positive community. One hour of Instagram can be junk. Um, if you're just scrolling, that's dopamine. And one hour Instagram could be toxic if you're comparing your life to others um, and, and firing that cortisol. So it really goes beyond the time of one hour and even beyond the platform of Instagram to really guide people to deep, have a deeper understanding of tech consumption, just like we now have a deeper understanding of our foods. The gaming industry is a big pandemic winner. Sales are way up in 2020. Games like Roblox are super popular with kids right now. Animal Crossing was a big hit last year. Even Minecraft. I can't remember the last time I even heard about Minecraft, but it's making a bit of a comeback. So so what does the research show about how gaming impacts kids? I think we have to first explain something called persuasive design embedded in games. This is a purposeful use of neuroscience, in particular, the manipulation of dopamine. Dopamine is our neurochemical of reward and pleasure. I'm an addiction, adolescent addiction psychiatrist. And, you know, what we, we have to understand is on one side of the screen is the most sophisticated neuroscience and the intentional, deliberate manipulation of the young brain's dopamine system. Through things like gaming and rewards, you know, leveling up the the buzzers, the colors, the and on the other side of the screen is a underdeveloped, undermyelinated brain, which doesn't fully mature until 24, 25. So when we understand that, we can understand that mismatch and why gaming is so um, appealing to young people um, and also so addictive. Um, but on that note, I wouldn't say all gaming is bad. Um, you know, again, a little bit might be okay. And, you know, when I gave um, my own sons, I have two teenage boys, the metaphor of the tech diet, they told me they thought Fortnite was a bit like nachos. They're like, okay, mom, we get it. It's a bit junky, you know, the chips and all that. That's the dopamine part. They go, but it's really social. We laugh with our friends. We joke. We have fun. That's the oxytocin. So yeah, they were correct. Fortnite is a bit like nachos for them, um, but you have to be very careful. You can't just consume nachos all the time. Um, And it depends on the child and their propensity for addiction. Uh, And I've seen young people's lives destroyed and families destroyed from gaming. I think a lot of people listening might feel it's a bit overwhelming to try to get their kids' tech use under control. How should they start? You know, and I agree with that. It is overwhelming. And right now, life is very stressful for many parents in the pandemic. But this this topic is worth it. Uh, it's pretty simple, but I say simple is not easy. Um, first, we have to understand um, the stage of change your child may be in. As an adult, you might be in what we call action, uh, but they may be in denial or pre-contemplation or contemplation, maybe thinking about it, but not ready to take the step. Um, and then I walk through um, six specific steps of assessing um, your tech diet. Um, on my website, I have free downloadable visuals of a plate, what your plate might look like, what your child's plate might look like. I recommend to parents to start with their own, uh, evaluate their own tech diet. What is their healthy tech? What is their junk tech? What is their toxic? The entire six steps are really based on 
the paradigm of what I call dolphin parenting, that is authoritative, collaborative, firm, but flexible parenting style, not a jellyfish or being permissive. That's not going to work, uh, nor though can you be authoritarian um, and a tiger, shark, helicopter, whatever you want to call it. Um, you know, you need to have an approach um, that is collaborative, loving, firm, though. Um, there is a clear goal to reset the tech habits. What if your kids won't listen? <laughs> well, I would say that's pretty typical. Uh, expect that, especially if they've been fairly out of control with their tech use. There may actually be um, some real Real, uh, wiring or potential addictive pathways already in place and then try to build your pod or your community maybe elicit older siblings or cousins or teachers or, or coaches and don't give up because it's definitely worth it you know you can celebrate small successes don't expect um, immediate results continue with um, the science of motivation which includes uh, qualities of a relationship and conversations that include empathy optimism and autonomy so when we approach young people with empathy things like you know what I know you love your gaming I know I see how happy you are gaming that can be very helpful um, autonomy statements like you know what I can't control your life forever but I can control the Wi-Fi right now explain that you're doing it from a place of love, not punishment. And optimism, saying, you know what, um, tell stories. I know other families have done it. I know other people have done it. Um, and I know we can get to a place of balance where you can enjoy your gaming, um, but not have it encroach on your sleep or your physical fitness or your mental health or your loneliness or social health. And it's worth it, worth the effort. It is not a light switch. Um, so all those parents who've tried, rebalance and try again. You've mentioned addiction more than once. That's one of your areas of expertise. What signs should parents look out for to see if their child has a problem or even a tech addiction? Yeah, we call it the C's of addiction. So if your child has out of control behavior, um, so, you know, they promise they're not going to game on the weekend or check their phone at you know, dinner time, but, you know, they keep doing it. it. The behavior is associated with negative consequences. So it's impacting, you know, their academic performance, their athletic performance, their social um, circle, um, their connection with others. So that's negative consequences. Um, there's cravings, you know, they're in the middle of dinner or math class and they're thinking about their games. And on that note, I just have to, it popped into my head and I have to say it is the key player in all this is not just parents, but it is also schools. So parents to advocate and work with the schools and, you know, if your school allows phones at lunch and recess, um, really start asking questions about it, you know, because we know studies show if a child looks at Snapchat in the hallway at recess or, or hall transition, they're not thinking of math in that class. They're thinking of what they just saw on Snapchat. So it really does have to be that collaborative approach. So if they're demonstrating some of those C's that, that they're continuing to, to be online despite adverse consequences, they're, they're using online uh, compulsively uh, in an uncontrolled way, I, I think I've got all the C's, and they crave it when, when they don't have it. Uh, where can parents turn and, and where can their children turn for help? 
You know, you can talk to your healthcare provider, uh, family doctors, you know, mental health professionals, because there is often a comorbidity or um, video game or internet or social media addiction can run hand in hand with things like anxiety, depression, and ADHD. Um, So you want your child to be screened for that. And and sometimes we don't know, is it the chicken or the egg? Was it a, a depression that led to the addiction, which I often see, or is it the addiction that led to the depression? often it's both are happening at the same time Um, but really also important keep that that community support schools school counselors teachers are very important part of this we've been talking about kids what about adults and tech use Right. Yeah. Well, um, yeah, we're seeing the same. You know, children are more vulnerable uh, because their brain is developing. But the brain continues to develop and wire and rewire um, until the moment we die. That's called neuroplasticity. I say neuroplasticity is a six syllable word for hope because it means we can always learn and change. But we're seeing the same. Uh, We're seeing impacts on mental health, blue light, sleep disruption. There's actually links to diabetes and obesity with screens um, and circadian rhythm disturbance. We're seeing same mental health issues. I see families destroyed, uh, again, with adults, um, you know, gambling, pornography, video game addiction in, you know, in parents. Um, And we're seeing also the loneliness increase. So adults are just as much at risk, uh, I would say. The other thing is young people look at adults for role modeling, and they will look at you if you're a parent and you're checking your phone at dinner. We could all do well by putting our screens away, looking at each other, uh, looking outside, Look, getting our eyes onto sunlight, not blue light, um, and nature, and, and all of the wonderful things that can help lead to our health happiness. And, and part of that is reducing our use of tech. Dr. Shimmy Kang, thank you so much for speaking with us. Thank you, Brian. That was Dr. Shimmy Kang, a psychiatrist, associate professor of medicine at UBC, and the author of The Tech Solution Creating Healthy Habits for Kids Growing Up in a Digital World. There's no question school-age kids are spending a lot more time online. Some of that is because of virtual learning, but some of that time spent is potentially harmful. There are some serious physical effects from too much screen time. There's emerging research that shows too much time in front of screens may lead to nearsightedness. Poor posture causes pain. Being sedentary can cause weight gain and poor conditioning. There's even some evidence that prolonged screen time causes brain damage. The emotional effects include anxiety, depression, addiction, as well as the impact of cyberbullying. Here's your dose of smart advice. An ounce of prevention is worth a pound of cure. If you have young kids, delay introducing them to tablets and smartphones for as long as you can. If your kids are already online, experts like Dr. Kang say it's not the number of hours online that you should be concerned about. Instead, think in terms of how they're spending that time. Think of screen time as healthy, junk, or toxic time. Healthy tech raises helpful brain chemicals like endorphins and serotonin. Things like online fitness routines, connecting with friends on FaceTime, and online learning. Junk tech is like a bag of chips and other low-nutrition calories. They release dopamine, which can lead to addiction. Online junk time includes video games and Instagram. Like fast food, they're okay in moderation. Toxic tech causes your child's stress and is linked to the release of cortisol. Examples include online forums that foster cyberbullying or kids comparing their lives to others. Even prolonged sitting during screen time releases cortisol. If your child or teen seems happy, 
is productive at school and is able to balance screen time with healthier activities, it's unlikely there's an issue. I'd be concerned if screen time has completely crowded out other activities and especially if your kids seem anxious or depressed. It's always a good idea for parents to start a conversation with their kids about screen time, and it's never too late. If you're not sure how to begin, contact your child's teachers or guidance counselor. You can also speak with your health professional. And one more thing, be a good role model. Examine your own screen time. Cut back on your own junk time and boost the healthier kind. If you have topics you'd like to hear on The Dose or questions you'd like answered, email us at thedose at cbc.ca. You can also tweet me at NightShiftMD or at CBCWhiteCoat using the hashtag TheDoseCBC. You can find The Dose and White Coat Black Art wherever you get your podcasts. Please do us a favor and rate our shows highly so more people can find us. This edition of The Dose was produced by our new producer, Willow Smith, and Donna Dingwall with digital support from Fabiola Carletti. Welcome aboard, Willow. Thanks to Billy Heaton for technical support. The Dose wants you to be better informed about your health. But if you're looking for medical advice, see your health care provider. I'm Dr. Brian Goldman. Until your next dose. For more CBC Podcasts, go to cbc.ca slash podcasts.